0: Welcome to our next episode of Coach's Corner. I'm joined by Maya Michelle, the assistant coach for women's basketball. Thanks for jumping on with me today. Of course. Awesome. So the first question that I have for you, we're just going to jump right in because we're in the midst of the season. How is your bracket for March Madness doing?
1: Oh my gosh. My bracket's destroyed on the men's side, the women's side. I think the craziest episode yesterday was... Arkansas and Wright State on the women's side. Wright State beating Arkansas was a four thirteen. Ruined my bracket. Absolutely <laughs> destroyed
0: it. I was like, all right, well. <laughs> so, what's your what? How do you go about getting your uh, bracket together? What's like your methodology to get it together?
1: Uh, honestly, on the men's side, I like to pick some more upsets because typically the guys are the ones who are like hype themselves up enough to have like a two beat a fifteen, like we saw the other day. Uh, the women's side I'll typically pick the higher seed and then when you get later on into like the Elite Eight the Final Four stuff that's when like okay maybe this team could probably get that team because they have a little bit more experience against the higher ranked teams and that type of deal but I don't know this year there was just a lot of upsets that I just definitely wouldn't have picked
0: that are happening on both sides and it's been fun to watch. What do you think's been behind that? I think my theory has been that maybe some of these teams don't have footage of these teams. And so they're really surprised at what they get at the first time. Like, why do you think, uh, why do you think we have seen so many upsets?
1: Uh, Honestly, I think it's because for the first time in a long time, the playing field has kind of been leveled. Like nobody's gotten a chance to practice as much as everybody else has. Typically, The higher up teams, the the Arkansas, the Yukons, those guys have an entire summer that they'll put in their system. They get more games in. They get all the experience by the time they're getting all this time in on the court and they're getting to the national tournament. They have so many reps that they are well built and well oiled machines. And I don't think that they had to the opportunity to do all that this year because we were all stuck at home. And it's like, right. yeah, we watched film and we did some things this way, but it just wasn't the same level that you typically get into. So I think the playing field for the first time in a long time, especially on the women's side, has just been leveled. And everyone's like, we were all at home. We all couldn't do everything. We were all trying to learn in different ways. And some of these other teams that typically don't have a chance are now like, we're all the same now. Those reps that you typically have, you didn't get them. <laughs> so right. I, I enjoy it. I'm like, especially the women. Oh my gosh, there's never any upsets. And you always watch like, okay, the the same high ranked opponents going to beat everybody and what you expect to see moves on. So like, it's tough. I hate to see like anyone lose at that level. You know, it's heartbreaking. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really tough mentally to get over that. But To see some of the other teams just get out and compete, even if they're not winning in the end, they're given these higher rank seeds just torturous games. I I can enjoy that. Mm
0: -hmm. So my final question for that is, do you think we're ever going to see a perfect bracket in our lifetime?
1: A perfect bracket? No. Someone's always bound to do something crazy. (laughs) No. So there's always one team that just even if they just go on a few game run is just going to Cinderella story it a little bit. And I think that's, that's what makes March Madness fun.
0: Do you think, you don't think there's like a mom out there that's going to eeny meeny mighty mow her way to a perfect (laughs) bracket. You don't think that's ever going to go down.
1: (laughs) No, there's always going to be one thing that you're just going to overlook. I think, I mean, it could happen, I guess, statistically speaking, it's bound to happen eventually, but I don't know. I don't see it happening in our lifetime.
0: All right, so it's usually strange because usually all I do is talk about the sports with the specific coaches that I bring on, but I think my goal for this is to not talk about sports with you for the rest of the time. I actually want to jump into uh, something interesting that I found that I think was maybe uh, not a surprise, but um, just doing my background research, um, it says that you began your musical career really early on with piano lessons. But the real spark came in seventh grade when you picked up the tenor saxophone. And then from there came the trumpet and the trombone. And then in high school, you switched to the guitar.
1: And then yes. you
0: were quoted saying that my passion for basketball made it an easy choice to do, like get into basketball. But there are a lot of things I wish I could have done with music. So, for example, I didn't get to do marching band. and I really wish I would have because then I would have been able to play the quad tom. So. As they said, for those counting, that would have been instrument number five. So like, talk to me, how (laughs) did you get into that music or that many instruments? Because that's that's quite the talent right there for sure.
1: Oh, man, you dug deep into the archives for that (laughs) article. Um, (laughs) uh, So my family in general is all very musical. My dad plays the clarinet, the soprano saxophone and the tenor saxophone. My mom does the violin. Uh, My sister sings opera. (laughs) So we all kind of have this thing that like music just kind of makes sense. And starting out initially band stuff in like fourth grade or something crazy, you know, they show up to the school and they're like, rent an instrument, join the band. And I was like, yeah, I don't have anything better to do. Like, why not? And I started with that trumpet was like all time favorite, I think, of just jumping into an instrument. And all the different things that you hear with that and growing up with jazz music and all those types of things, like it was great. And then my grandpa played the trombone. So for a while, I switched over to the trombone because I was like, well, he played it. I want to try that too. And, but the saxophone, man, like that one, that one was like, this is great. Like I genuinely enjoy this sound and I joined the jazz band at school and it was just something I could really just bond with not just like my dad, but pretty much everyone in my family over was just this musical love. And like, yeah, I didn't get to go as far as I wanted into it because well, one, my parents would have never let me play the drums in the house. That was never going to be a thing. But uh, I don't know. I Basketball made more sense, but music was always just like, yeah, if I could just take some time, like even now when I get bored, like I got bored in college. I ran into some extra time at one point, I went to the guitar center up the street from our school and I bought a bass guitar. (laughs) Started teaching myself how to play the bass, like just for kicks and giggles. And it's just a fun little hobby that I just slip into every now and then when I have some time.
0: So would you say that, that basketball was kind of the anomaly or did your parents also have a sports background too? Or was that kind of like the, hey, you guys do music and I'm also gonna throw some sports into this mix or where did you get your basketball from?
1: So my dad, big athlete, he played football, um, and I've always been like the kind of spazzy kid, like you need to go out in the yard and run or else you <laughs> just can't with you. Uh, so I started playing with just like friends at school and they were really adamant about like, no, we are not falling into the club sports life with you. It's, it's time consuming, it's driving, it's expensive, no. Uh, so I did everything but, I did karate, (laughs) I picked up, like, I played soccer at school, I did all those crazy things until finally they were like, all right, you can join the rec league's basketball stuff. I was like, absolutely, 100%, drop everything else, you're finally giving me what I've wanted for so long, so it was always there, we always had, like, some sports stuff, one of my my oldest sister ran track and did some cross-country stuff when she was in high school, so, we always had some level of sports things there. It's just like, I think for a while they did use music and other stuff to say like, we don't want you in the sports stuff because it's so time consuming, but it worked out anyway.
0: Awesome. Who were some of the favorite artists or like kind of the key artists that you heard growing up that kind of influenced your taste or anything like that?
1: Uh, I think the primary one I would say is Kenny G. Uh, just with us, the saxophone stuff that he did, my dad was always playing Kenny G around the house. And like, we couldn't go on a car ride without some type of smooth jazz and Kenny G on the thing. It Was Like, all right, we get it. You love the saxophone. But after a while, it's like, all right, I'm gonna try to imitate what he does and kind of go in that direction. So he was a primary one um, that I definitely just fell into with just the music stuff. and now it's pretty much anything i'm like if it has a good beat i'll hear definitely the beat before i'll pay attention to a lot of the words and music and if you can catch me with a good tune then i'm sold like
0: yeah absolutely so i think for those that don't know maya definitely has one of the best kick games at the school like you gotta catch her around she has just <laughs> some of the you. best style <laughs> do you think that do you kind of view your style as i guess another form of artistic expression because like Some of the stuff that you're dropping is just like (laughs) perfect.
1: (laughs) Oh yeah, no, I definitely get dressed from the shoe up. Uh, If it doesn't go with the shoes that I want to wear for that day, then I definitely won't wear the outfit. There's plenty of times that I'm like, I can't wear this because these are the shoes that I need to wear. So I have to find something else. But no, my shoes are, are definitely a piece of my passion. And it is my artistic expression in a lot of things where it's just like, everybody is athletic and everybody has this thing, but I have these shoes that pretty much no one else will wear. And even my mom sometimes is like, why did you buy those? And I'm like, mom, I understand that neon green isn't in. However, it's a slight touch and it has this, like I found some Converse the other day that have a red bottom to them. And I'm like, everyone knows what is it? Red bottom is like, I don't know some brand of shoe that I don't know it's it's a heel I don't wear heels so I have no idea but it's like a really popular like if you have these red bottom heels you're important and I'm mm-hmm. like these are the only red bottoms I need mom like they're my converse <laughs> they're leather like now I've com- officially completed that piece of my collection so but yeah no, they're definitely part of my artistic stuff like this year being able to wear tennis shoes to games, like, that was the primary thing, like, after we did our scouts and everything, of course, that Sierra and I was like, so what shoes are you going to wear, and are we going for the white, what's the color, Jordan Air Force, What? what's our theme, like, it was great.
0: Awesome. So I was going to ask if you ever like have regrets about not diving into more into music or kind of the artistic avenue further, but you did. But <laughs> it's my understanding that during quarantine, you wrote and published a book called Transformation Moments in Poetry. So first of all, congratulations. That is awesome. Thank and quite a giant feat. So was this like a compilation of like many years of work or was this something that quarantine was kind of like made you sit down and kind of force like inspiration out of you uh, for this book?
1: So I always had a goal that I would eventually publish. Um, I write like different fiction, short stories, stuff like that. And normally I like write them. I give an unfinished copy to my sister. And she's like, this story's great, like finish it. And I never touch it again. Uh, <laughs> so there's a lot of stories that she's like, one of these days, I'm gonna need you to finish writing that one. I'm like, all right, eventually. But this one, I've been writing different poetry and stuff like that for years as just like an outlet when, in just life. And I took some time, especially in quarantine, and it was like, I could sit around and be upset that things are happening or I can find some place where I have control in my life. And for me, that was trying to accomplish this goal. Um, so there was a bunch of things that when I really started going through all of my writing from high school and those types of deals, especially that I kind of brought together, cleaned it up and started putting it together. And I had an idea a few years back about the way that I structured it and it's kind of like different chapters of things that were really important throughout time and found just kind of one word to equate to those sections of phases of my life type deal. And kind of just bought a bunch of things together, started writing through the times that we were in and and stuff that was just going on and found the focus, I guess, and the I don't know, the detail oriented that I needed to just sit down and kind of put it together. So
0: that's awesome. Well walk me some through some like the lows and highs that you experienced like while you're trying to pull everything together and, and get it to the finish line. Just kind of walk me through like, you know, a moment where you're like, is this a, it, was there ever a moment where you're like, I don't know if this has ever come through. And then like the like, oh like, wow, this is really coming together and I think this is gonna yeah, happen. Like kind of just walk me through some like the low and high moments that you had with that.
1: For sure. So I think initially it was just does anybody really care about the content? And in my mind, I had to really push past the fact that I wasn't really writing it for anybody else. Uh, that's why I didn't really advertise it. <laughs> it's just something that I was like, I have to lock into this is my personal goal. And that was a really big mental hurdle for me to push to. It was just like, oh my gosh, I'm going to publish something. And if I publish it and this is like ridiculous, nobody like, nobody's going to care about it. And like, my friends are going to make fun of me for it. Um, And, you know, the peer pressure of society kind of weighs down on you. And then I kind of moved past that a little bit more and was just like, I'll just put some things together and found some content and started cleaning things up. And I think one of the highest points within that was as I found more things, it kind of walked me through a bit of how I was feeling in different phases in my life that I just kind of started to brush over over time and it brought some of those memories back, some good ones and some tough ones, but the self-evaluation that I got to go through in that process of just like, wow, you were really feeling some type of way at this time. And I don't really know that anyone caught it or paid any attention to it, but you found your way out of it and were able to push forward. That was just a huge pick me up where it's like, you know, you go through things and not everybody finds a way, especially mentally, to get through things. And I can see in a lot of things that I wrote that I did find a way out of that. And again, with the lulls of like, I kind of had everything put together and it was just like, all right, I just have to structure it the right way. And I went through all of this stuff and got it structured, got it up on all of like the Kindle Direct publishing stuff and got my proof copy of everything. And I was like, this is just, it just does not look how I wanted it to look like this. This isn't it. Like <laughs> I can't move forward with this. And going through that of like, all right, I put in all this time and cool. Now I kind of have to go back to the beginning of this last piece of the process. And you know, you get to the end. And at this point I, I was like December. And I told myself that I was like, by the end of 2020, you're gonna publish this book you don't have a choice, maintain your focus. Like that's the goal. And it was like, it's December and this is just not functional. And that goal in my mind was kind of slipping away a little bit before I was like, all right, it's okay. Like take a weekend, take a few days, step back from it and jump back into it next week. And then it kind of came back together again. No one in my family, except for like my sister knew that it was something I was doing anyway. So by the time I gave a proof copy to my mom, she's like, what is this? She's <laughs> like, I was just, can you just look it over and like, tell me if there's like grammar or this type of stuff? Like, should I change some things or something that I missed? Because I've been staring at this for six months straight and I, I can't look at it anymore. All I see is what I want to see. I can't see the mistakes that I know I made. So that was kind of like a big like test. and." I was really nervous about just giving it to her because she's my mom. Like her opinion means the world to me. And if I give her this and she's like, what are you doing with your free time? I'm like tighten up. Like that would have been devastating. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Obviously, she didn't. <laughs> she's an amazing person. And that was just not the case. And she was just like, this, this is incredible. Like I would change this and this type of deal and all those types of adjustments that she kind of gave me to work through it to the end. But that was, it was a real, I think like emotional roller coaster for me to just admit that one, I'm gonna lock into this goal and you know you have something to say, whether anybody really cares about it or not, like it's for you to put your piece out there and kind of follow through on that. So it was it was a it was a process. It was a mentally like roller coaster of a process, but at the end to say I that's something that I did and I'm a published author. Like I, I can enjoy that. So,
0: well, that is very special. So what was it like when you get the first thing, it's like bound together exactly, yeah, exactly how you want it. Um, what, what, what was that feeling like when you get to hold it in your hand for the first time, be like, were you like, this is it? Like, did you, were you able to look at the initial thing and be like, this is where I wanted it to go? How did it, how was that feeling for you?
1: Oh, it was, it was awesome. I think I like, track the mail for weeks (laughs) of like, it's supposed to be here. It's not here yet. Like, I don't know. I was, it was just so exciting, but I was like, all right, I did it. It's done. I have this thing and now I just want to hold it. I just want to have it. And I think it's, I was so excited about the process leading up to it that when I got it, I can't actually say that I've actually read it all the way through since I, I did it. And I was like, yeah, I have it. This is the final copy, Like family. Take it, read it. This was my quarantine experiment. Uh, I got it done. Kind of tell me what you think or don't because I kind of want to talk about it. I kind of don't, <laughs> but yeah, it was, it was so exciting. I, I keep a copy of it next to my bed where it's just something where I I wrote a note to myself in the back of it. It was just like, this isn't something that I can ever let myself downplay because I know that that is a, a big thing that I am like, oh, I did it, whatever, brush it off. Like we're athletic, we're athletes, next play, <laughs> that's just how it goes, and I'm like, I keep it somewhere where I see it every day when I come into my room, because I'm like, don't let yourself off the hook for completing this, it's a huge accomplishment, and it's just a constant reminder that, you know, you put your mind to things sometimes, and you can get it done, so that's, that's a huge thing for me, that I, I hold very near and dear to my heart, and even when I'm like, I'm kind of upset about stuff and it's not going my way. It's like, right. Things don't always go your way initially, but you have some living proof now that it's going to be okay in the end, as long as you like stay true to the process.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. It's definitely a, a tremendous accomplishment. So the book is available on Amazon. So we'll probably, we're, gonna, we're definitely going to throw a link in the description when this <laughs> comes out. Um, I wasn't able to get a copy in time of this. I was trying to borrow one from Kayla, but I want to read what I was able to see on the back cover. So, it says the journey of transformation is a walk through mental warfare with expression. It is love, pain, and hope. It's the inner voice that we are too afraid, too shy, or too private to share. All the things you want to say but to, but struggle to find the words. From the little things taken to granted to realizing that only those you give the power to are capable of determining your value. There is a transform transformative power in expression. Transformation is the reality of the journey that has just begun in all the ups and downs in life. You can only make the most of the moment you're in find solace and encouragement in knowing that there is nothing wrong with feeling lost. More importantly, you should express those thoughts and feelings hidden deep inside. So I'm kind of interested to see where, where does that mindset come from? Does that come from, um, or yeah, I'll just leave it at that. Where where do you think in your kind of walk and journey do you think you developed that mindset from?
1: Oh man, it was years of athletics, uh, for sure as that being like the primary part of my life. Um, I think because I've been doing sports for so long, the primary thing that I hear over time is like you just got to be tougher, like you just got to get through it, like adjust your mindset, just toughen up. And it kind of built this place for me where I'm not totally comfortable expressing myself, especially in emotional, like passionate kind of way. And I had to learn to grow through that and through my family and some of my closest friends, we've just kind of worked through that as we progress in our adult lives is all right. Like, it's okay to say I'm not okay and i don't really think that that's a big thing that anyone talked about until now unfortunately in a pandemic type situation where you see it all over the place now everybody's like you're not okay and that's fine whereas before then especially in sports like for me to go up to somebody and say like i'm not okay they're like well, tough it out like you're tired you rolled your ankle lace up your shoes tighter like i know it hurts but like grit it out you're you're tough and this whole thing is, I think, transformation is the polar opposite of how I typically express myself in that I'm not the main person who's going to be like, all right, this is an emotional feeling that I have. Let me tell you about it. Uh, I had to grow into that. And in growing into that, I came across a lot of people who were just like, that's great. Like, I'm glad you're saying that. I'm glad that you're expressing this to me because in the past you wouldn't have. And because you said something, now I feel comfortable saying something. And that was just, I think, one of the greatest compliments I could ever hear from people who were very close and their opinion matters, and that judgment matters. And in that moment, they could have easily been like toughen up and tighten up and don't be that guy. But they were the polar opposite in saying like, great, you're feeling that I feel this way too. like, let's dive deeper into that. Let's let's work through that. And I've gotten a lot of that from just in my time and hanging out with his Kayla at work and growing in my relationship with my best friend and those types of things where I was like, dude, just say something, like, let's talk about it. <laughs> let's, let's have these conversations about the good stuff where it's like, I'm euphorically happy and I don't know how to express that. And that's okay, like, let's talk about it. Like, let's express these feelings to one another because it's good or, I'm just not in a good headspace right now. Like, can you help me get through it? Or this is what I'm trying to say. I I just can't quite put it all together into words. And they're like, great, like let's work through that. So it's, it's definitely been a mentality that I've grown into more as an adult for sure. But I think I experienced a lot of the downside of it as a teenager when I was just like, I just can't say that this is where I'm at. And now I'm like, everyone needs to be able to say this is where they're at, because if we can have more of those conversations and just admitting where it's like, I'm great or I'm not great. I think that will really change how we interact and overall in society.
0: Absolutely. And I think you're in a fantastic spot where you are leading like these young women on our Vanguard basketball team. And uh, I think a question that comes with that is uh, how have you kind of seen or have you like shaped your coaching philosophy based on i, I don't know if it's maybe a newfound realization but how has this kind of shaped how you attack going into the next season after just having a whole season of like introspection and talking about these like big ideas like how do you think that shapes you as a coach moving forward
1: uh i think the biggest way it shapes me is that i i don't look at it as so much as uh the win-loss thing. I think the things that I've, I've found the most value in is if I'm asking these girls to be upfront and honest and lock into our philosophies and our ideas, then I can't be that person that's closed down and shut off to them. So in order to create vulnerability, I have to be vulnerable myself. And I know for me personally, especially in the season that we've had, being able to know that I can be a little bit more vulnerable about around the team has changed the way I can communicate just stuff I'm trying to get across to them. Because now I'm not just hitting it from an athletics perspective of like, this is the X's and the O's of the scenario. It's okay, but like, so if you're in this thing in life and you face these adversities in your life, what do you do? Oh, well, I adapt and I adjust. So if you can apply that to the bigger scale of life, we can apply that to this smaller scale of sport. But I can only do that because I have these different type of relationships and a little bit more in depth relationships with these girls where when we talk, I'm like, great. We we had practice and that's great, but like we're on the road and where were we? Wichita, Kansas, I don't know middle of nowhere on this tournament and I was (laughs) like we're driving we had like a three-hour drive from Wichita to Kansas City and I just kind of got to sit in the car with some of these girls and just talk to them and we weren't talking about like oh the game and basketball or sports it was just life and how are things going for you and what's going on and I'm comfortable sharing things and I noticed that and me sharing something that I, there was a little bit of reticence that they were trying to say earlier. They've expressed that to me now, and now I'm like, all right, I understand you a little bit better. Now I can I understand how to approach you, and to how to best get through to you. And it's because we're able to just kind of break down some of those walls between us and say, like, everything doesn't have to be like we're all sports and mm, we can grit things <laughs> out. It's like, no, like <laughs> you're a human being, okay. And more in that, like, you're a teenager. I was a teenager once, like, it was not as far away as you guys may seem to believe it is. Like, (laughs) it was very recent and new and I've experienced some of the things that you've experienced and I wanna help you, but I need to understand how to help you. And and some of these conversations we have, like, great. Now you've helped me. You're helping me learn how to connect and grow to other people. So it's just that kind of vibe and grow and kind of ping pong off each other experience that I enjoy the most and that I did not attempt to do in my earlier years of coaching. It was just like, we're here, we're athletes, we're sports. And that's what we do, because those were the coaches that I had. I didn't have any coaches who would really take the time to get to know me personally until, you know, they decided to do me a little interview thing and talk about like your music stuff. And I'm like, great. Like now they know I played instruments, but that's not a thing that they knew in the past. Um, And there's a part of those relationships with my coaches that I value, but there was also a piece of it where it's like, I wish you had taken an extra half a second to know me as a person, especially in that time when college is a huge changing time in your life. And you can just have a little bit more impact if you take just half a second more time and allow yourself to be vulnerable with them. And that's kind of what this whole process Especially now has helped me see and kind of encouraged me a little bit more to take that time with him.
0: Awesome. So, where does the process kind of go from here? Uh, let's let's talk about specifically with like publications. Is are we going to get another more short stories? Or are we going <laughs> to wrap those up? Are you kind of? Uh let me take a break. I'm exhausted. I went through a a long month long months long process to get this done. What, uh, what do you think your eventual goals are? Do you think you're going to come out with more uh, books or what do you think? Um,
1: I don't know. I think I finished this one and it kind of pumped me up to like, all right, like at least now I know I can finish something. (laughs) Let's start there. Like (laughs) everything that you have, like you're capable of finishing it. Good. Like progress. Um, I started kind of working toward another another story and that I had one of the ones that my sister wants me to finish. I was like, all right, maybe I'll play with that a little bit more. Um, I definitely think eventually I will do another one just because I think the pressure is off of me now to say like I have to complete this goal. More it's just like, all right, now I'm I'm writing for fun again. And I can just enjoy the story and enjoy kind of putting that piece together. So probably not in time soon, but <laughs> eventually I'd give it a few years where I'll probably take some more time and finish one of my short stories and that type of deal and get another one published.
0: There you go. Well, well, first of all, congratulations, like I said, on getting the first one done. It's such a major accomplishment. And then, uh, yeah, thank you so much for uh taking the time to sit down with me and kind of go through some of that stuff. Like I said, it's just a, quite an amazing accomplishment and uh I liked uh getting to get to know you a bit more and uh learn about, you know, the background and kind of how uh you've grown and stuff like that over the uh past few months with writing and coaching and all that good stuff. So uh uh, yeah. So th- thanks for everyone at home for tuning in. This has been the latest episode of Coach's Corner. Um, yeah. Stay tuned. Uh, we'll, like we'll say, we'll provide a link for uh, Maya's book somewhere uh, on social media or wherever this gets published. But uh, yeah, Maya, thanks for so much for uh, tuning in with me.
1: Awesome. Thanks, Michael. Appreciate it.